0: matchup between your two favorite teams and you're at the game getting the most from what it means to be here with American Express you breeze through the card member entrance, stop by the lounge now it's almost tip off and everyone's already on their feet this is gonna be good see how to elevate your live sports experience at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex don't live life without it
1: Week play by play of the Hang Time Podcast. Backing down a lefty hook, takes it in. With your host, Callius Anderson, stop it down
0: behind his head. Yeah. Seku Smith, the tipping is good at the buzzer. Now it's time for the tip.
1: Back again, same old crew from the Hang Time Podcast here at NBA.com. Seku Smith. The Hangtime Blog, Micah Hart from the All Ball Blog, our super producer behind the glass, Christy, doing her thing on the uh, keys over there. And our co-host, Lang Whitaker, Slam listen. Magazine. How are you, buddy? Now listen, <laughs> listen. I'm I'm, good. I'm making a concerted effort not to tell you to listen. Okay. All right. So listen well, what I'm, I'm saying to you. Man. I haven't
2: listened to you in five since you, years. Since so. you don't listen
1: to uh, word i say anyway <laughs> why, <start
2: now? laughs> why Why bother now
1: two weeks in man two weeks in the books uh in this nba season i mean i feel like we've had two months already with all the storylines and there's been some fantastic games uh and i i want everybody to know that i did not i repeat did not call you whatever it is you tweeted that i called you last week uh I saw you sent sent somebody out on Twitter saying that I made you know made fun of you and called you a few names. I want everybody to know that's not true.
2: Probably you probably didn't do it publicly. <laughs> <laughs>
1: no. Private, privately you may have. <laughs> well, I know we're making light of it, but it's actually a serious matter. Uh Kevin Garnett and Charlie Villanueva got into a bit of a a spat last week when the Celtics and Pistons played. Villanueva tweeted something out uh about KG calling him a cancer patient the firestorm ensued. Uh, I think now finally it's kind of, it's dying down a little bit, but do I take it that you, you're not necessarily buying into all of what's been said on either side?
2: You know, the, the thing that I thought back to was when I was in high school, the first varsity game I played, we, I don't even remember who we played against. And one of the guys on our team was just laying into some guy on the other team and he was on the bench next to me and he was just, you know, yelling at this guy on the court. And I was saying like, man, you know, be quiet. You're going to, we're going to have a fight. There's going to be problems here. Like (laughs) we're going to get us in trouble. (laughs) (laughs) And I didn't really realize that like trash talk was such a part of the game. And I think we don't hear about that a lot of times, you know, about what gets said and what doesn't get said on the court. Um, And, you know, maybe KG went too far. Maybe Villanueva went too far. But, um, you know, I I think probably the best thing for everyone involved is if they move past this.
1: Yeah. I I know one thing. I'm trying to remember, you know, people always ask those questions like, well, what do we do before, you know, computers? What do we do before this? What in the world do we do before Twitter? (laughs) What, What did we do with ourselves in the hours before games before Twitter?
2: We, we actually talked okay. <laughs> i mean i guess we actually
1: live normal life i mean now it's you have to stay glued to twitter because at any moment you know
2: uh, news some, yeah it, something crazy uh, could go on and everybody's day is it's rearranged. It's also, you know, I was thinking the other day about how much we used to use telephones so yeah. much more. Now when my phone rings, I'm like shocked. That no one calls, you know, because now you can just email or tweet or Facebook message or whatever. Like, But there's hardly any uh, actual, you know, face-to-face conversation anymore. Yeah, well, we spend so much
1: time uh, talking about all the other stuff that goes on. Again, fantastic basketball being played right yep. now. Uh, the New Orleans Hornets as of right this moment uh, are still undefeated the Los Angeles Lakers uh, you know 7-0 best best win you know uh, statistic in the league your, your Hawks went down Sunday afternoon Sunday evening at Phillips Arena to the Phoenix Suns Josh Childress's revenge is what I like to call it <laughs> um, I got a chance to talk to him for a few minutes he was weird his first time back in Phillips Arena he said in a couple years um, and they booed him pretty good I mean he <laughs> the crowd gave it to him pretty good which I think he appreciated, you know. Yeah. Probably made him feel at home uh, <laughs> from his days with the Hawks. I mean, he you got to remember he wasn't around for these last couple of years, so Right, right. Um, but no, I mean, just great games. I, I've been watching Golden State and Monte Ellis. Yeah. And in, in the shows that he's been putting on on a nightly Basis. Who have you uh who have you really been eyeballing in terms of just making it a point to check their games out, you know, no matter what times they come on to see?
2: Well, you know, for future work purposes, I've been watching uh, John Wall pretty mm-hmm. heavily the past uh, two weeks. Uh, I've actually watched <laughs> every game he's played. But um, uh, he's just I, – i even if you're not a fan or if you're not uh, a fan of the Wizards or if you're not, you know, as I might be, working on a story about the person, mm-hmm. its uh, he's totally worth watching just as a basketball fan because it, it, it's pretty amazing seeing somebody that fast um, – and, you know, the other thing is he, he's still learning and, you know, he's had a lot of turnovers in these games. And uh, But I, the, I was at the Knicks game Friday night when they played the Wizards and before the game, Wall was out there working on his mid-range jumper because that's teams are going under picks against him every time he has the ball and giving him that 18-footer because they don't want him to drive to the basket. Um, they're giving him that 18-footer. And, and, you know, the coach the Wizards have kind of dedicated to working with Wall on that 18-footer is – maybe the best mid-range jump shooter of the last two decades, uh, yeah. Sam Cassell. <laughs> right. And so he's got Cassell working with him on that. You know, once I think once he gets that down, I mean, he's going to be even more unstoppable than he's been already this season.
1: You know, there's some pretty good tutors for some of these young players around the league. Mm-hmm. When you think about, you know, Sam Cassell working with Wall, you know, Mark Strickland working with all of these uh, point guards that have come out of, you know uh, John Calipari's program the last few years. You know mm-hmm. with You know Derrick Rose, Tyreek Evans, Ann Wall. Yeah. You know I mean, I guess if you're going to be a point guard in the NBA or or a guard in general in this in this league, Lang, you could have worse. You know uh, <laughs> special special teachers. Yeah. You know than than these guys. Um, but getting back to a topic we were talking about earlier, one guy who doesn't need a tutor anymore. At, at that position is is Rajon Rondo. Um you know, a guy who's who hasn't slowed down a bit. Right. From the you know, from the outlandish start he had to this season. We'll bring in our first guest on the Hangtime podcast today who who knows all too well about what Rondo Rondo's doing in Boston and it's Sherrod Blakely, good friend of the program. Sherrod, how you doing man?
3: Hey, what's up, Zayku? What's going on, man?
1: Nothing, man. Lang and I are sitting here just kinda you know, asking about some of these young point guards from around the league, Shira, You you get to watch Rajon Rondo up close on a nightly basis. Is I, I know that he's not a great shooter, so it's not like you're watching the guy who's going to make the highlights because he's making tons of shots or doing something dazzling, you know, playing above the rim, kind of like Derrick Rose. But explain to people what it is he's doing for that Boston team this year. Well,
3: the thing that, that Rajon is doing is he's just simply – Taking defenses apart. I mean, he is. I mean, he's like you know, Peyton Manning. He's he's just picking and choosing which spots he wants to exploit. And the the crazy part about it is, every single team they play knows this dude cannot shoot a jump shot. (laughs) So you want. So you would think they'd give it to him, and they're trying to. But the thing that Gracian does is he's still able to get deep penetration, find guys, and more than anything else, the one thing that he does, and I think this is what separates him from a lot of point guards he's able to rebound defensively. So he can start his own transition, get out on a break on his own without having an outlet pass. And when he's able to do that, you know, but.
2: Yeah. Sherrod, uh, it's Lang from Slam Magazine, man. What do you think Rondo has improved the most on from last season to this season?
3: I, I think the biggest improvement has just been his confidence and just his command of what Doc Rivers wants. It's to the point now where, you know, Doc doesn't really have to give him instructions on what he wants to be done because Rondo understands the system that well. It's really embedded in his DNA now. You know, I mean, it's I mean, it's like watching Luke Skywalker out there. I mean, you don't really <laughs> need to tell him what to do. He's going to handle his business because he's been trained by the All Knowing One. So Rondo is he's at that level now. And you know, the thing that that jumps out to me is the fact that when I watch him play, I'm thinking, man. If he only had a jump shot, if he could only do this and don't do that, but at the end of the day, you look at the stat sheet. This guy, he's got ten, fifteen dimes, ten, twelve points, six, seven, eight rebounds, and you look at the numbers and you're like, "Dang, this guy's putting up numbers," even though he clearly has areas of his game that he can get better at.
1: No right? doubt, Sherrod Blakely covers the Boston Celtics in the NBA for Comcast SportsNet, joining us on the Hang Time Podcast. Sherrod, you covered, you know, one of the the best. Or the better point guards of his generation, you know, one of the best winners in in Chauncey Billups in Detroit. (laughs) Contrast, (laughs) contrast Chauncey's game and where he was. Because I think, you know, when you cover Chauncey, he was at that stage of his career where he was basically, you know, one of the top guys at his position and could do what he wanted, you know, in a game could impose his will on a game. Contrast the way he did that in Detroit with what Rondo's doing now in Boston.
3: Well, the difference between those two, first off, is that that Chauncey was a, is a physical guy, and and Chauncey was more had he had more of a scores mentality, and and I say scores mentality, free throws, three pointers, it really didn't matter. Chauncey could really put that kind of stress on the defense. Rondo, it, it, Rondo was at his best when he's getting others the ball, when he's mm-hmm. getting assists, when he's finding guys in transition, or finding Ray Allen spotting up in the corner for threes. So. Both guys were, are very effective, but clearly, um, you know, with Rondo, the biggest difference between those two is, is the fact that Rondo has so much more of an upside to his game. And even now, yeah, I, I think it's clear he's one of the top three, four, five point guards in the NBA, whereas Chauncey, I think, was, was kind of inching towards that, that upper echelon level. But his game had pretty much peaked out. I mean, Chauncey is not going to get a whole lot better than he is, whereas Rondo is still one of the best point guards and still has a lot of room to get better.
2: Do you think it's fair to compare, like, these Celtics teams to those Pistons teams, you know, like veteran teams? They're not going to kill you with athleticism, but they can out-execute you and out-think you? Is that a good well, comparison?
3: Yeah. I think I think that's a, that's a very good comparison because that's basically what, what Boston does now. I mean, they're not going to – You know, run up and down and beat you up and down the floor. You know, end line to end line all night long. They're going to outthink you. You know, Kevin Garnett. I mean, he's the Obi Wan Kenobi up trash talking. He gets in the heads (laughs) of guys all the time, gets them out of their games, and that's part of execute. That's part of execution when you're able to get your opponent to think about something other than what they need to be thinking about while you go ahead and handle your business and execute. Uh, The Celtics are they're one of the best teams at that, and that comes from. Winning a championship from being in the league for so many years and understanding how to get it done in big games.
1: Sherrod, mm-hmm. We we talked a lot last week about Kevin Garnett and, and Charlie Villanueva and all the drama they had going on. I know you wrote some stuff about it. Let me first ask you: is it a, is it a dead issue now? Like, is it is it something that the Celtics are done talking about? They're moving on and not dealing with it anymore. And and also, what was really said? Like, give us give us the skinny now. What have you talked to KG and and gleaned any other insight from him about what actually went on between he and Villanueva? Well,
3: yeah, well, well, KG is is trying to bury it as soon as possible, but he, <laughs> you know, he, in you know typical KG fashion, he had to end it on his terms, and you know, basically said, you know, he's de- he's tar- he's not dealing with nobodies anymore, so you <laughs> know, take that, Chuck. Take that, Chuck V. Chuck V. Um, <laughs> listen, it's 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 a pretty much a dead issue at this point. But the thing that that jumped out to all of us was the fact that Charlie V. thought it was a good idea to go public with this. And listen, man. It's not just the NBA. I mean, you go back to when you're like six, seven, eight years old on a playground. If you got an issue with some cat on the court, you deal with it right then and there. And then the next day, y'all cool. You don't go home and then you know tell everybody in your neighborhood what that dude said. Cause, I mean, look, if you if it bothers you so much, deal with it in at that in that moment. And and that's that's the the issue that Charlie you know really confronted, or I should say, people had with what Charlie did. Um, it, and first of all. I've been around Kevin long enough and you've been around him long enough to know that let me tell you, Kevin is not gonna articulate himself that proper and correct in the heat of battle. There gotta be some MFs, some some other you know, there gotta be some there's gotta be some profanity in that. Um and, and you know I don't know exactly what K G said, but he said something and K G he admitted it. Um but if Charlie had issues with it, throw him in. handle it then.
2: Well, you know, if they're looking forward why don't we look forward? Do you think this team can – I mean, what's the biggest thing facing the Celtics going forward? Is it health? Is it going to be, uh, you know, developing Rondo a little bit more, getting them a jump shot to spread the floor? What do you think their biggest thing going forward?
3: I, I think that the two things that they have to really be concerned about, first and foremost, is health. I mean, we're, we're not even – you know, we haven't even – you know, we haven't even – Make the turkey for Thanksgiving yet, and already you got Shack missing more games than he's played. You got Jermaine who's hobbling around. Delonte is going to be back, you know, uh, next week, but they don't have him. You got, you know, even the rookie uh, Avery Bradley. He, you know, he's been banged up. I mean, there's a lot of injuries that this team has already had to deal with in such an early portion of the season. So health is certainly going to be a big factor. The, the other thing that I think you have to keep in mind with this team is. Consistency, and the mm-hmm. one thing that that was an issue last year during the regular season was they just didn't play consistent. They had stretches where they could dominate teams, and other games where they just looked like busters. And, and, and they know <laughs> they, they noticed, and I think that's why they're taking a lot of these what should be you know cupcake type opponents, they're taking them a lot more seriously than they did a year ago. Because bottom line, they need to have home court advantage. This team is of the mindset that if they had home court advantage last year. Banner 18 would be in the TD Garden right now. And so, uh-huh. you know, part of it, their their mindset is to win as many games as possible in the regular season. And because they've got so many bodies now, talented bodies coming off that bench, they've got the kind of depth to where they can, they can use that bench more than they did last year. And so, I mean, really, health, use of the bench, and just consistency, those are really the big three key areas the Celtics have to really do a good job with moving forward.
1: Yeah. Sherrod, I, I'm curious, too. Um, you know, so much attention was paid to Miami and, you know, really Miami first and foremost in the Eastern Conference and throughout the league during the offseason. When you see the Celtics and the Lakers both playing at the level they're playing at this early in the season, do you, do you think, whether they admit it or not, there's some motivation on, on both sides that, hey, you know, you can talk about Miami all you want, but we're still the two teams that battled it out for that title last year and we plan on being those two teams again, and you're seeing them kind of play that way right now?
3: Okay. Yeah, a- absolutely. And the, the one thing that, that they're doing is that rather than talk about feeling disrespected and, and, and that, you know, we should be the ones people talk about, we're better than that, they're just going out and letting their play prove it. Unlike the Orlando Magic, who popped up at the mouth, talk about Miami hasn't done enough. And they that, and you saw what happened when they saw him. <laughs> Smash. Right, smashed. right. I mean, it, it was it was it was sad, pathetic, but very predictable. And, and the Boston Celtics and the Lakers are smarter than that. They know that Miami, you know, this is a team that's got plenty of haters around the league, both from fans and the media. The last thing you need to do is give that team added incentive to bust you. So what you do is you just. You just let them go on and do what they do, and you step on the floor, then you go at them. I mean, that's what Boston did in game one. They showed no mercy. They attacked them. And, you know, when they play again, it's going to be, I think it's going to be a better game, and I think Miami will win. But, you know, if you're Boston, there's no fear factor. They respect them, but they don't fear them.
2: What's the uh, latest on um, Kendrick Perkins, Sherrod?
3: Oh, KP. He, uh, he's... He wants to get back sooner than later, obviously. Yeah. And, and right now the timetable is, is more like late January, February at the earliest. Uh, but I, I really think that the Celtics are going to be overly cautious with him and bring him back sometime after the All-Star break. Wow. At that point, there's more than enough games for him to, to get his body right and get a nice little rhythm. And it gives Doc a little bit more time to figure out which one of the O'Neill brothers he's not going to play. Because, let's, <laughs> cause, I mean, if we're being real, let's be real. You got Jermaine. You got Shaq, you got KG, you got Glenn Davis, and you got Kendrick Perkins, okay? Listen, this is musical chairs and there's only four at the table. Somebody is gonna be
1: out. Yeah. Well it won't be Shrek, baby. I guarantee a little and you know little <laughs> Shrek. I guarantee Shrek will get some minutes. I, I love I love what what Big Baby has been doing this year, by the way. He I know he's taking a lot of heat in the past, Sherrod, but I love the way he's playing and kinda redefining himself in that rotation with those added bigs, man. It's they've been they've been fun to watch. I know you're enjoying it. Um and we appreciate you coming on. A Shirai Blakely covers the Celtics and the NBA for Comcast Sportsnet. Net. Uh Shirai, let's keep everything cool up there now. All right. You and Doc, handle the business, all right? Hey,
3: hey, hey, you know me and Doc. We got we don't want no trouble. <laughs>
1: We're
3: good. <get. laughs>
1: all right, man. Listen, take care, Sharad. We'll talk to you soon. Okay. Thanks, Sharad. Okay. Take
3: care, lane. You too, thank it.
1: All right Bye. man. You know what, Mike? You heard all the you heard the papers rattling in here. We had we had a we had an interloper roll in on us. Uh uh. Then Scott, three D jumped in the building. Three D Three D hey, he's in here eating lunch, Lane. He's he's he- he just got done doing the fantasy show. Now he's in here, like, having sushi and, you know. What's happening, man? <laughs> 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 What's
4: happening, What's up, Pod World? You know, he thought we was going to take a break. I had to throw that one on. We had to surprise him a little bit. 3D, man, it's good to see you. Man, it's great seeing you, uh, Sekou, and I'm happy to be here, and um, I'm ready to talk to the people.
1: Yeah, man. Lang Lang is in New York. You know, we're doing it. We're doing it, uh, Skyping it, phone <laughs> calling it. We're doing everything, man. It's we, called we, Modern Technology. Yes, man, Yes. Yeah. <laughs> But we, we've been talking, and Sherrod brought it up, and Lane kind of mentioned it, about the, the motivation you see for these teams like the Lakers and the Celtics. And we talked all summer. I mean, you're the first person to mention about the heat and the chance mm-hmm. of that thing happening. I just felt like everybody around the league decided, we're not going to lay down for the heat or anybody else. The games the first two weeks, you've seen some serious competition from the, the top-tier teams. Is that surprising to you at all?
4: Not surprising. I, I think the biggest thing, maybe some of us uh, may take some of the blame because we put <laughs> so much on when the big right. three put their minds together that we're going to go do this. Now the media world just jumped on that boat and rowed the wave yeah. until the season started. So I think we need to take some of that credit of blowing this thing out of proportion and then you see what the Lakers and the Celtics are doing. They're a willed or machine. They're yeah. focused and they're just taking one game at a time and letting everyone talk about South Beach.
2: No doubt. What do you guys what do you guys think about Orlando? Like that's the team no one's really to me talking about. That's up in that echelon of, you know, LA, Boston, Miami. And then there's kinda I think Orlando's getting overlooked a little bit, do you think, or no? Nah? No
4: no question they are. And actually on the preview show on NBA TV, I picked Orlando to get back to <laughs> rematch of them and the Lakers in the finals because I think the White is slowly but surely trying to figure out the offensive end. We know the right. defensive end, he's yeah. gonna rebound with the best, he's gonna be a, a shot blocker all day long. But I think working out with Olajuwon and getting offensive confidence, and I think no one's never talked about that with him his first four or five years, that he really never had the confidence to be an offensive player outside of Duncan. And I think that's the uh, transformation for him. If he can be more aggressive on the offensive end, now those three-point shooters are taking wide-open shots.
3: Yeah. Uh, I wanted to chime in just for one quick second. Since Dennis, I believe this is his first appearance uh, since earlier this summer, yeah. Seiko. I mean, we talked about a little about say, uh, about South Beach and credit. Well, I believe Dennis was kind of the first one to be on that train, wasn't he? I've been
1: explaining that to people all summer. They've been trying to give credit to Stephen A. Smith and Chris Bouchard, all these good guys who did a great job covering this stuff. But way back, way back, way back, 3D brought it up on the on the Hangtime podcast, Lang, and it, it was so way out and so. Such a preposterous Remember? idea at the time. Like, we didn't even spend time giving him grief. But I'm like, whatever, man. Like You know, ain't no way. <laughs> then he comes out, he's like, you know, 3D Stradamus. I mean, it's crazy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't even know how to explain how he knew this was going to happen. Well, who is your source? Tell us your source. Well, you know? I,
4: I can never tell. I can tell you they the source brothers. <laughs> That's who they are, the source brothers. And y'all know who y'all are. And I will never tell you. My sources just keep giving me the inside information. The biggest thing, though, guys, for me, uh, uh and i think if you remember Sekou, i say i i i harped on no one gives players today credit for taking less money right. and that's the part that everybody harped on oh he's not leaving 30 million on the table there's no yeah. way he's gonna leave 35 million on the table oh he's not going to i'm like guys why not because if you look at the economics of the thing he's actually making the same money by going to florida but no state tax at the right. end of the day you know just big time uh, financial guys said well Guys, LeBron's actually doing a better thing for him because he's going to save $22 million in taxes over the course of that uh, contract. So that was the thing I harped on is three guys sacrificing their game, sacrificing money because they really want to win. Yeah. That's a good point, Micah.
1: Hey, give 3D his credit now. Deserves it. That's all I'm saying. Give him his
4: credit. Appreciate that, Mike. Appreciate that. Let the world know. Let the world know. We talked about this last year. <laughs> this,
2: update, update 3D's Wikipedia page. Somebody put this exactly. on there. Exactly. Let's get, it, let's get <laughs> it updated, man. And 3D, I don't know how
1: you do it now. I see you I see you at the Hawks game Sunday night. Yeah. You're doing the fantasy show Monday. Yeah. We got the jump tomorrow yep. on NBA.com and then again on NBA TV later. Mm-hmm.
4: Um, what, what day do you take a break? I'm off on Thursdays and Fridays. <laughs> Thursdays, Charles and Kenny, and they take care of Thursdays, Fridays. I drop my feet up, and I'm right back here on Saturday. And like I tell all the bosses, I appreciate the opportunity. I love what I do. And, and this game of basketball has been so good to me since I've been basically 10, 11 years old. And here I am, 42, still loving it, and still taking care of me. So the door was open, and I'm kicking it wide open. <laughs> That's what I'm talking about. Listen, don't go anywhere. We got a, we got a special guest, Lang, Micah, everybody. We got...
1: We got somebody else coming up three D just for you. I'm not gonna tell you who, but you in a couple it, it, just give me a couple minutes to okay. work this out. Right. We got a special guest coming up. Finish the lunch, finish the sushi. All right. Knock it out. <laughs> I know I know you I know you like to eat your lunch. We gotta keep you fed and healthy. <laughs> Make sure you don't fall out up here from exhaustion, all right? Finish the lunch. But Micah, we're gonna we're gonna take it down a different path for all for everybody. For listeners, all y'all. Um we talked a little bit about the Lakers, you know. And we could have had Kobe, Phil, you know, we could have talked to a lot of different people. Mm-hmm. You know, from a Lakers outfit, two-time event of a chance. Been great, you know. But we'll see those cats in June. Okay. You know, let's let's talk to them later. Instead, and and I know this is going to be one of Lang's favorites because Lang's a, being a fellow author himself. Right. <laughs> um, you know, I know these people like to rub, rub elbows together and, you know, sip tea and talk about their next projects. We got Lakers executive Jeannie Buss joining the Hang Time podcast right now, the author of Laker Girl. Ooh. Uh fantastic book we got here in the studio, just thumbing through it a little bit. Uh, Jeannie Buss, welcome to the Hang Time Podcast. How are you?
5: Thank you for having me on the show. I look forward to having a nice conversation.
1: It's going to be very nice. We're going to keep all of this above <laughs> board, no? We'll get to Jeannie Vision shortly. But. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, but talk to us a little bit about the book and, and the genesis for this idea of, you know, what made you want to write this book now?
5: Well, you know, I, the, one of the most commonly asked questions for me uh, in my job as executive VP with the Lakers is, what is a typical day like for you? Mm. And there's really no easy way to describe it. So I thought by keeping a, a journal of last season, then it would kind of give insight to, you know, the kind of crazy things that happen and maybe some of the boring things that happen, <laughs> um, you know, on a day-to-day basis with an NBA team.
2: Jeannie, this is Lang Whitaker from Slam Magazine. How hard was it to keep a journal? I know, uh, I don't know, had you done it before? Or was it something you had to force yourself to sit down and do every day?
5: Yeah, it was. I really didn't realize what I had gotten myself into. Thankfully, <laughs> I, I have a co-author, Steve Springer, who I've known mm-hmm. for over 25 years. He was uh, formerly a beat writer uh, of the Lakers for the L.A. Times. So, um, you know, he he kept me on track and and helped uh you know put together a coherent project and you know uh it what's funny is my my significant other my boyfriend phil jackson of course has been a you know a best selling author and, uh, you know, he, did, he was really no help to me at
4: all. <laughs> <laughs> uh, uh, Jeannie, this is Dennis Scott for NBA TV. I want to take you back to when you were a teenager. What sport did you kind of gravitate to before your dad uh, bought the Lakers?
5: Um, you know, I went to high school uh, as Title IX was passed, and I ended up uh, being on the girls' golf team. And, and really the only reason they, they had a girls' golf team was they had a boys' team, and they had to have a girls' team. So I got to play golf. I also played basketball. I loved basketball, but I was terrible. So I was one of those kids that I was a senior on the JV team. And, uh, you know, I, I enjoyed uh, mentoring the, the uh freshmen and sophomores, so, um, you know, I, I always liked basketball, even way before my
1: dad bought the team. Jeannie, I am just want to get an understanding, too, uh, you know, people see you and they see Phil, and they, I'm not sure they understand the day-to-day responsibilities you have a, as a, an executive vice president for the Lakers. Talk to us a little bit about what it is you do for the team on a daily basis and how much responsibility is involved in that.
5: Yeah, you know, um it what I like to how I like to explain my position is I like to call myself a revenue producer. Mm-hmm. So I bring in revenue so then the basketball side can spend it. <laughs> so, <laughs> so, you know what what you think of it that that brings in money would be sponsorships, broadcast, ticket sales, um, you know, those kind of things. Also operationally, I'm I'm responsible for um, you know, the the uh, connection with the uh, staple center for our dates at their venue which um, you know sometimes it's it's a fight because you know in our world the lakers are number one and should get all the the best dates but uh, the fact is staple center is one of the most uh, busiest buildings in the world and host things like the grammy awards and uh, huge concerts so we have to try to we fight every day to make sure that the lakers get what they need but also understanding that that we it's a pleasure to play in such a, a palace and that's been a big part of our success so you know you have to make room for the the outside events as well
2: Jeannie, you mentioned when you were in high school you'd like to have an opportunity to mentor some of the the other girls on the team and just wondering, you going into this job with the Lakers and becoming executive vice president. Who mentored you? Who kind of showed you how to do what it is that you do?
5: Um, you know, I was very fortunate to have some great mentors, and um, you know, Billie Jean King is is one of the first women I met. Um, you know, back in the '70s, and she is one of my role models, and I and I mean that in that she never really thought of of you know you know, you couldn't, no one could say no to you, that, you know, you could, you're able to do anything that you want to do, don't let society hold you back, Mm -hmm. and, you know, that meant a lot to me. I also had Claire Rothman, who uh, operated the the Philadelphia Spectrum, uh, and then came to the Forum, and when my dad bought the Forum, Mm -hmm. uh, she became a role model of mine as well, you know, I still call her today when I have problems to solve, and then, of course, um, you know, my dad has been, you know, nothing but inspiring and encouraging to me. So I, I was very fortunate
4: in that regard. Uh, Jenny, I, I'm thumbing through the book, and as players, when we come to the for, the old form and now the Staples Center, some of us get starstruck. I'm looking at you at Michael Jackson, <laughs> all these, you know, Jim Carrey. Have you ever met somebody where you say, wow, I'm finally meeting somebody that has me in awe?
5: Um, yeah, I guess, you know, there's always, um, you know, people like that I you know I I was able to meet Jay-Z last year and you know I'm hoping that he'll you know uh, be part of the NBA and I just admire him in, in terms of his his artistry and his entrepreneurship
1: Jeannie let's get I mean we, we'd we be remiss if we didn't ask you about the book uh, and spend some some quality time talking about the book here I, I love the idea of doing this now, like during the moment, as opposed to waiting five or six years after the fact. What was Phil's reaction when you told him you were going <laughs> to be documenting all this stuff and, and for the, not only the book but also the genie vision and some of the other stuff that, that's going on?
5: He's, You know, he's a much more private person, and, mm-hmm. you know, he struggled with the book. But, you know, he also knows that I – you know, I, I think highly of him, and I'm not a negative person. I'm not looking for the, the bad parts of, of life or a personality. Mm-hmm. And certainly while the book contains a running diary of last year, which ended up thankfully having a happy ending <laughs> with the championship, um, it also is interspersed with, with other, you know, things that make me who I am. In my experience, I talk about my dad and my mom, and uh, you know, I also talk in in retrospect, so there is some history to it. I, I talk about the, you know, Shaquille O'Neal and his trade, and you know, when Phil left the Lakers in two thousand four. So I, I do look back on on things historically, but it's also current because it's interspersed with the chapters of last season.
2: Sure. You know, they say the the hardest book to write is a book about yourself because. You don't know where to really draw the line and how much to share, and and you know, like, what are you comfortable <laughs> talking about or not talking about? Did how how did you find kind of the, how much how far to go and and you know, as you said, you're you're not looking for the negative things, but uh, you know, you want to be honest with the fans. Like, how, how did you find that that line?
5: Well, I mean, that's I'm I'm a person who believes in full disclosure, and it, it is it's very a very humbling experience to write you know, how you see the world from your eyes because, you know, who really cares? So, you know, I I don't want to be indulgent and make it like I, you know, know everything, but I, I think, I think I was, I was definitely born into a position of opportunity and, you know, certainly people have asked me, how do you, how can I follow in your footsteps? And I say, tell your dad to buy a team and give you a dog. <laughs> but I, I think what I think, what I want people to take away from the book is that, you know, if they were put in the same circumstances as me, that I don't take it for granted. And I don't think anybody would or anybody should, and that they would probably do the same things that I do, that I, I feel like the Lakers are a public trust and that they, the team is really owned by the fans, and we're here to manage it and to you know, keep, keep it going and, and make the team the best it can be on behalf of the fans. So, so, um, you know, certainly I, I won't deny that I am of privilege and opportunity, but I like to think that I am responsible with that opportunity and that I, I do my best. And I, I do, you know, I, I take care of what's most important, and that's making our fans happy. And, uh, you know, I want people also to know that it's not a book about sports. Like, I don't want it to be pigeonholed. Like, if you're not a basketball fan, you shouldn't read it. I believe that it's, it's a story that anybody can relate to, but because I work in a family business, I work for my dad, and I happen to be dating his star employee, <laughs> and that brings a, a, a lot about a lot of, you know, different, you know, uh, interesting relationships and how things, you know, how to handle things, and so I, I like to think that my book would be interested to any, anybody who's ever been in a family, not just sports.
4: Well, Jeannie, with all the blessings you and your dad have had you know, over the years, do you have a favorite player in a, a favorite championship ring out of all the rings you have?
5: <laughs> that's, that's like asking a mom, like, who's well, her favorite kid? I mean, by far, Magic Johnson, you know, is he owns a place in my heart. I mean, we were so lucky to watch him play and, you know, change society. I mean, he's just – He's bigger than life, and um, he's—I mean, uh, what a what a great guy for me to be around. You know, he's only—I think—I think he's two years older than me, so we're basically the same age. So I mm. feel like he's my brother, mm. and uh, but also, you know, Kobe Bryant is—is—you uh, know—I I never thought you—you know—we'd have another opportunity after Magic to have such a, a charismatic player. But Kobe is rewriting the record books as we see it. And, and to think that I get to witness that in person is uh, such a gift. And so I, I would say that those are my two favorite players.
1: Mm-hmm. Jeannie, you, you mentioned earlier about the book and you're not wanting it to be just about basketball, but the Lakers are playing great right now. I mean, mm-hmm. <laughs> they look as good now as they did at any point during the playoffs last year. I know this is technically Phil's last year, uh, you know, and and everybody's trying to send him out on the right note, but seven and zero, you know, <laughs> <laughs> what are they going to go for? Seventy two and ten, are going to chase that record?
5: Um, you know, I think that's the one record that Phil never wants to break. I think that <laughs> that means so much to him and that Chicago Bulls team. And I talk a little bit about that in the book about how you know it's you know now that the league has gone to the Thursday night exclusives. Um, you know, which is a good thing it 's been great to build the brand, but it 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 means that there 's really one day less per week to schedule games so having something knowing that you 've got all these back to back games, you know Phil calls them scheduled losses that it 's almost physically impossible to win. Uh, at the rate that you know, getting seventy-two wins, so I, I think he would be happy. His goal, obviously, is to get home court advantage in the playoffs, and that means you have to have the best record in the league. So I think he'll he'll gauge the team based on that, and and he, he isn't trying to break any records. And I think his his uh, that team, that Bulls team, would kind of be mad at him if he did.
2: Teeny, <laughs> uh, before we had you on, I just Googled rules Quip Fast and. What's going on with uh, you and Phil's ring and Justin Bieber? <laughs>
5: <laughs> well, that's like that's why the the book is is interesting to people because crazy things like that happen. And for example, at, at this year at opening night, the ceremony we did the ring ceremony and it was really, it was it was great because we had each of the players introduced the next player and and our fans never get to hear our players talk about each other mm-hmm. and it was kind of special that way so everybody enjoyed that phil got his ring and i was on the court and as soon as the game you know now we got to go to game time phil handed me the ring cuz he didn't want to wear it at the during the game and said will you hold this for me and i said of course so i'm sitting in my seat and in front of me is Justin Bieber so he turned around i let him borrow the ring and he didn't want to give it back so he <laughs> put it on his finger he you know and for a kid that's you know right now sitting on the top of the world it you know he's probably has access to whatever he wants to buy whatever to his heart's content but he was blown away by the Lakers ring so it, <laughs> it did, was kind of cool.
2: How did he? How did Justin Bieber get better seats than you? <laughs>
5: well, <laughs> I would never. I don't. I would never want to sit on the floor. That I I, I would be afraid to have uh, a big uh, forward crash into me and, and <laughs> uh, get sweat all over me. So no thanks,
1: <laughs> Jeannie when you look at this book and and the message you wanted to send uh Laker Girl is the book. Jenny Buss is our guest here on the Hang Time podcast. What ultimately would you like for younger readers, spe- you know, specifically young female readers to get from the, the lessons you've learned and the and the experiences you have?
5: Well, I you know, it it was important to me and I, I'm hoping that that young people that are in school that have required they have to read so many books uh... per year i hope that my book is accessible to them and mm. and that they you know I, I think it would be a a good book for especially for young women because i want them to see that um, you know even you know you're used to seeing uh, men in a certain role and and that should never stop you from imagining where you want to be And, you know, I'm not saying that women should go into sports, but I I think that it's important for young women to see uh, uh, another woman being successful, especially in in a traditionally male-dominated area. Um, But, you know, that, um, you know, don't let anything hold you back. And that's what Billie Jean King taught me, and I hope I can be that role model for other women.
1: That's awesome. Jeannie Buss, Laker Girls, the book. She wrote it with Steve Springer, former beat writer for the Lakers from the L.A. Times. Thank you so much for joining us on the Hang Time Podcast. It was a treat. We we hope we didn't carry you away from your business too long.
5: Oh, no, I, I, <laughs> I enjoyed this, and, and thank you for taking the time to, you know, I, I mean, I'm very proud of the book, and, Hopefully, people will enjoy it. Absolutely,
1: so until, until Phil, we'll we'll be looking for him on Genie Vision from now. On. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> take care, Thanks right. thank, you. thank you, guys. Genie Bus, that's that's guy. I know we've had the commissioner on a couple times, Micah, but uh, for me, that's the high water mark
4: right there. Well, Seiko, you hit it right on the head, and I was going to ask her one more question, but she already hit it. That are, are you lucky or are you blessed? Does she ever pinch herself?
2: Yeah, all yeah. those
4: rings, all those personalities, all those big names she's been around for the last 20 plus years to me is absolutely amazing. Dennis, she, I, she, I was
3: wondering also, if you were going to ask her why why they never signed you. <laughs> <laughs> I should have, Mike. You yeah. I should have. Why y'all bring she me know back? You're for life yeah, know.
4: She kind of <laughs> she
2: kinda hit it. She, I mean, she mentioned, like, you know, I tell people you have to be born into it. She joked about that, but. You know, there's a lot of uh, people who get opportunities and don't take advantage of them, and she kind of downplayed that. But, I I mean, I think that's also really important is that she had the opportunity, and she made the most of it.
1: Yeah, I mean, I don't want to gloss over that at all, and that's why I kind of – I didn't mean to get too serious on y'all, but there's a message behind – I mean, she wouldn't put this book out for it to be some Hollywood page-turner. This was more of a, you know, revealing thing where she's just trying to tell you about her experiences and make sure, yeah, make sure that somebody – Picks up a little sum from this. If she wanted to make a, she wanted to make a New York Times bestseller. She could have told all the business. Now she oh, could have yeah. went. And, she mm. could have went and told some dirty stories and had a great time with this. That's you know. I, I, and and I,
4: I, I wanted to keep the above board too. I want to say, Jeannie, can you tell us some other stuff you didn't put in this book that we can look forward to in book number two?
1: Well, I mean, that's what I'm saying. I'm hoping Jeannie Vision gets picked up by HBO or something. or, or NBA TV. Even. There we go. You know? I thought it
3: was interesting that that she said that Phil's very private. He doesn't like to you know. But didn't he just write a book a couple years back all about Kobe and his like last yes. season? What a jerk he was! Like
1: that was a different lifetime, though, Mike. Th- I mean, he was that was that was when he was done with the Lakers. He came back, so he's back to being private. Phil, um, I think. I think the one part of, of what she said that's really funny to me is that Phil doesn't want to step on the toes of those Bulls <laughs> teams and that legacy, because you get that feeling, you know. I mean, Phil never seems. Too uptight when the Lakers are struggling. He's kind of like always oh, has this "well, you know, we'll we'll figure it out" type thing. Maybe he doesn't. You know, maybe that's real. Maybe he doesn't want to have another team eclipse what those what those Bulls teams did. Uh, I don't. I don't know if I. I don't buy know if I buy completely. it, but I'm saying <laughs> it, 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 it. You know, it's a good. It's a good talking point. I think.
4: I, I don't buy it, but the the way Kobe is going to buy his business this year is very similar. When Mike went about his business on his second three uh, 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 three yeah, when early in the season he took less jump shots, he did more posting up, and as the season wore on, he just started dominating, taking over. Yeah. And I kind of see that's what Kobe's doing this year.
2: You know, who was it? Jeff Van Gundy was saying Miami was going to challenge for that seventy two and ten mark yeah. this year and no, really, and no one really no one really talked about it but i mean the lakers are 7-0 oh i know, you know if I, anyone's get, i think they might be the best chance of doing that this season if anybody would yeah i mean i mentioned it earlier
1: today um on on the blog on the Hangtime yeah. blog on com that we spent all that time all summer talking about the heat but the lakers i mean you know and everybody no no disrespect to the hornets you know who are undefeated but mm-hmm. if there's a team that could sustain us you know a really high level of play for the next, you know, six, seven months, you can see this Lakers team doing I mean, they're, they're stacked and loaded at every spot, and they don't even have Andrew Bynum right
4: That's now. That's what I was getting ready to say. It's yeah. amazing that they're playing so well, and we're not even talking about Andrew Bynum now. When he comes back, it makes him even bigger and more serviceable down low.
2: Yeah, and, I mean, we haven't, we're haven't we talking about getting better down low. I mean, <laughs> as great as Kobe's been, their leading scorer this year is Pau Gasol. Oh, I know, I know. Great, I you mean, know? all I know is, if
1: we get to spend a little quality time with Jeannie and Phil and everybody mm. else in L.A. come April, May, you know, into June, I won't be complaining. No. Uh, I mean, I'll, I won't be complaining. I'll, maybe we can take the book out there and get it autographed.
2: We knew we know who to ask for tickets now, Exactly. exactly. Justin Bieber. <laughs> <laughs> <laughs>
1: all right. That, hey, thanks, everybody. 3D for coming in. We know you busy. Uh, Lang, all, as always. Micah, Christy, the Hangtime Podcast. Kicking doors down once again. I want to thank Tony Lamb, you know, the baddest man in the business, for making sure we got all these beautiful guests stacked up here. Um, We'll be back next week. I'm sure there will be plenty to talk about. And we'll see you again on the Hangtime Podcast.
4: See you. Thanks for listening to the
1: Hangtime Podcast. To download more episodes of the show, visit the iTunes Music Store. Be sure to check out the Hangtime blog on NBA.com. And for more of Lang, visit SlamOnline.com follow Seiku and Lang on Twitter at NBA and Lang with
3: it. The Smyrna Spartans have yet to get on Twitter, but we'll let you know when they do.
0: When you're an American Express Platinum card member, don't be surprised if you say things like, Chef, what course are we on? I've, I've lost count. Or, Shoot that! Shoot that! And even,
5: Checkout's not until four, so...
0: Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants, elevated experiences at live events, and 4 p.m. late checkout at fine hotels and resorts booked through Amex Travel. See how to elevate your experiences at AmericanExpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply. Busy weekends are a breeze with American Express Platinum Card. 8 a.m., wait to board plane in the Centurion Lounge. (sighs) Much better. 2 p.m., grab seats for the game. 6 p.m. Book an exclusive reservation with Resi Global Dining Access. Right this way. Because the American Express Platinum Card offers access to the Centurion Lounge, must-see live events, and exclusive reservations at renowned restaurants. See how to elevate
5: your experiences at americanexpress.com slash with Amex. Don't live life without it. Terms apply.